Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, for today's episode that is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories? It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. Uh, We might also be joined, I'm not 100% sure, we could be joined by my family dog at some point for anyone that follows me on Twitter, you saw that uh, he uh, named Esky made a uh, unwanted, uh, I'm going to say on my behalf, an unwanted appearance in the zoom call today. It's funny that we're basically a year to the day where everything shut down, which is hard to really think about the fact that it's been a year, but that was the first time that I've had a dog interruption on the zoom call. So who knows? He's sleeping behind me right now. He's snoring. I can hear him. He might join in at some point as well, but uh, he's got a bit of a taste for the Zoom calls now. But Frank, we did tease that we were going to do a, a little bit of a, I guess, a trade deadline primer or a buyout market primer, whatever you want to call it. It's difficult really with this Bucks cap situation to find or identify players or trades that you can really upgrade the roster, but we've got a few names we're going to go through. As the cap... cap the Bucks cap expert, I'll say on Twitter for sure anyway. Uh, you've gone through this before, <laughs> but sometimes I get a lot of questions in, in the DMs and I literally just say, you know, you should probably just DM Frank because I'm going to ask Frank and then he's going to give me the answer and then I'm going to come back to you. So I was thinking to start whether we just rehash the Bucks cap situation and uh, flexibility or lack thereof as it currently stands. Yeah, you mean explain why I, I just am <laughs> why you didn't want to do this like part? shooting. Shoot, <laughs> well, I was gonna say why I'm always just shooting down people's ideas of trades because yeah. it's actually interesting because I a lot of people um, seem to be posting trades with like the various trade machine sites out there, and yeah. it doesn't seem like those trade machine sites like are factoring in the Bucks hard cap situation, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting and it's kind of maybe misleading people. You I mean you'd think that would be included right like there'd be they wouldn't let you do a trade that puts the bucks over the hard cap but um but yeah so i, I guess just again kind of at a high level and by the way shout out to eric name i you know eric really went like full frank madden on brew hoop in 2013 uh with his like breakdown of a lot of this stuff so a lot of this will be a recap of of kind of what eric wrote um at the athletic this week um, which I was, I was shocked that the level of detail he went into, um, which I don't, you know, I enjoyed it. I don't know if, if the average person <laughs> needs the level of detail that Eric went into, but, um, but at a high level, yes. Yeah. So, um, as people have probably heard us talk about, there is, you know, the, the tax level, right? The tax threshold is, um, 132 million point point six roughly. So if you're you're over that and the bucks are, they're at about a 134 point, eh, just short of 134.5 right now. So they're about 1.8 million over the tax as things currently stand. They have 
14 guys in the roster, not including the two-way guys. Two-way guys don't count against the cap. So you've got 14 roster spots filled. You have one open roster spot, and we'll talk about why they have one open roster in a moment. But they're about 1.8 million over the tax. And then there's this complicating factor of because they use the non-tax mid-level to sign DJ Augustine, um, they automatically become hard capped. And basically what that means is that, um, okay, you acted like a team that was, was essentially not going to go way over the tax. So therefore, we're going to put a limit on exactly how much you're going to pay, you can pay this year. So there is a hard cap in these situations. If you use the biannual exception, which they also used on Bobby Portis, or you use more than the taxpayer mid-level, uh, or if you make a sign and trade as well, all those things trigger the hard cap. And the hard cap is about uh, $6.5 million, uh, over the uh, regular tax threshold. So basically... What that means is the Bucks cannot spend more than $138.9 million this year. Now, you might be saying, well, Frank, you just told me they, were only, they only had a number of 134.5 right now. So they've got, you know, four and a half million bucks or whatever that they're under the tax. So it should be game on. You should, you know, you should be able to sign a, a veteran minimum, whatever. Well, and, and I really hope Drew Holiday signs an extension. That's a separate conversation. <laughs> but um, I really hope his next extension does not have a bunch of unlikely weird bonuses in it because this has created more confusion uh, for cap calculations than probably anything that I've encountered with, with the bucks. But long story short, he's got about $4 million in unlikely uh, uh, bonuses, which um, again, because of the hard cap, they treat it a little bit different. So basically the hard cap is like, well, there, there's no scenario where you can go over that number. So they essentially count all these unlikely bonuses, like, you know, I think one of them might be win the finals or whatever else, really kind of unlike, or like, you know, win MVP, whatever these, these things are. I don't even know what they, all they are at this point. But, um, but they're things that, like, they're not going to happen, but they have to basically treat them as though they are going to happen to guarantee that the Bucks do not go over that hard cap. So it's, it's kind of a, it's, it puts the Bucks in a harder spot than it appears if you're just looking at what their actual sort of projected salaries are. And net net at the end of it, they're only 1.8 million over the tax, but they only have about $441,000 to spend under the hard cap, um, which sometimes also called the, the apron. If you hear the term apron and hard cap, it's the same thing. So essentially what, what that means is, um, you know, $441,000 doesn't get you anyone. You, you can't sign any NBA player for $441,000 unless you wait long enough into the season that the minimum amount, which, you know, it gets prorated, right? So the, the longer the season goes, the less money it's going to cost to sign somebody for the rest of the season. Basically they have to wait until the prorated amount of a minimum gets to that $441,000 amount. And so Eric's reported on it. Bobby Marks has reported on it by April 7th is like basically the target date at which point they could actually sign someone to that 15th spot and not go over that that hard cap. And of course, there's other complicating factors like we've talked, you know, maybe we'll talk about here. If they make a, a trade that reduces salary further, then that changes things, right? And then if they're further under the tax or the hard cap after that deal, uh, then then they could you know do something sooner. But absent another trade, basically, April 7th is sort of the target date at which point they could sign a buyout guy or you know whatever. Um, to to a minimum level contract for the remainder of the season. So that's why it's really hard for the Bucks to make trades because 
you know, if, if you're doing these potential trade machine deals and you're adding more than $441,000 to the Bucks total cap number, they can't do that. And the other complicating factor too is, you know, think about it. If you have to like aggregate salaries, so you're sending two guys out and bringing one guy in or three guys out and bringing one guy in. Well, if it puts you right up against the hard cap, then you're stuck with 13 guys, 12 guys, and you literally can't add more dudes <laughs> to the roster. So it, it's a really limiting uh, thing on, on what the Bucks can do here uh, as they approach the trade deadline and, and as sort of the trade deadline passes and you get into that buyout season. So, you know, if, if it sounds like I never want to entertain the idea of the Bucks making moves, whether it's trades or, you know, signing guys, wherever it is, it's because it is really hard for the Bucks to do that right now. And again, it comes down to this weird quirk of the fact that they, they could actually get under the tax potentially. And yet at the same time, they're still perilously close to, to this apron number, the hard cap number. So anyway, I'll pause there. Can, have I made that sufficiently confusing or do you think that that was a relatively um, digestible way of explaining the Bucks' really complicated cap situation? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. When you go through this, and every time I listen to you uh, discuss this, I mean, I feel like I have a fair handle on what the situation is anyway, but there's no doubt. I mean, there's so many different numbers and different terms that I understand that it's obviously difficult to keep track of. The one thing I will say, as you did, Frank, uh, pull up Eric's story, and then it's there in words, and you can sort of pour over it a little bit more. But, you know, I mean, the, the main point of all this is the Bucks don't have a lot of flexibility. And I'll say this, when it comes to the unlikely bonuses, I think there should be one person assigned by the league around this time of the season who gets to make the decision. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, those unlikely bonuses are not happening. Drew Holiday, you're not winning the MVP. Uh, Bucks, you've got $1.5 million to spend because that unlikely bonus isn't going to happen. It's, it's kind of uh, funny because when he was traded, there was a bunch of Pelicans guys that... Um, you know, either report on the team or, or closely follow the team that I, I know were on Twitter and uh, you know, commenting on a lot of the trades saying about the Bucks cap situation. They're like, welcome to the fun of Drew Holiday's unlikely bonuses uh, because they were obviously uh, well up to date with the not only the confusing nature of that, but the restricting nature when you are in a situation where you're hard capped like the Bucks. Okay, before we move on, it's time now for the Michelob Ultra Player of the week, Frank. And uh, listen, there wasn't many games this week, but there was one All-Star game. And there was only one Milwaukee Buck player that played in this game, and he took out the MVP. So that's right. No drum roll required here. Giannis, for the fourth time in four weeks, is the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. And as we always say here, it's about happiness as well. It's not just about execution on the court. And I think all Bucks fans enjoyed Giannis and Nikola Jokic having an absolute blast together on the court. Giannis spoke after the game about the relationship they have. Uh, I was pushing for a TV show, which uh, he, he seemed to like that idea as well. So the Mikolov Ultra Player of the Week for this week, once again, is Giannis. And remember, with Mikolov Ultra, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Joy creates success. And with Giannis right now, he's happy and he is creating success. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. And the Bucks and Giannis continue to talk about happiness on the court. And of course, we always say, are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? Giannis, the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. And a quick note, 
now from betonline.ag, which is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. I somehow found myself listening to a podcast the other day where the conversation was about The Bachelor, and I skipped through it because I've never watched an episode of The Bachelor or Bachelorette in my life. But it was interesting because you can probably bet on those things at betonline.ag. It has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Betting on the Milwaukee Bucks and the NBA doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to their new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. One thing that you said, and I figured at this point we can move into a few different potential trade scenarios or or a few different players. Uh, One that, again, Eric did mention in his story, which, you know, I think is at least interesting because you sort of touched on this idea that at the moment, if nothing else changes, yes, the date is April 7th that the Bucks could potentially sign a buyout guy. And I realize that there might be some listeners out there or Bucks fans that are saying, well, hang on a second. Guys are already starting to get bought out. Who's going to be available on April 7th? And we might be looking back on your guy, uh, Frank, uh, Marvin Williams, and saying, hey, listen, we can't really sign anyone else. Is there any chance you want to just come play for the Bucks for the last few weeks of the season? Because uh, who knows by that point, certainly... Uh, a lot of the teams aren't in the situation the Bucks are in. But one of the trades that Eric proposed was DJ Wilson and a 2023 second round pick for Wayne Allington. Now, this is a little bit interesting because I know you've spoke a lot about the tax implications and the DJ Wilson trade could potentially be for the benefit of getting under the luxury tax. Uh, then you could still sign a buyout guy anyway. But Wayne Allington, a player that's only been paid $2.5 million this season, by executing this trade, you actually open up a little bit of money. Allington, I do believe, is a player that, you know, I mean, he's not a he's not a household name. He's not anyone that's going to get a fan super, super excited, but he's a 43% three-point shooter this season. He's been playing really, really well. Uh, he's probably a guy that you would be able to put on the floor and play in a playoff game. And also the benefit of that trade is you do uh, free up a little bit of money there. Yeah, and the interesting thing with that, he makes about two and a half million. DJ Wilson, who you know is the obvious guy to, to be shipped out. He you know, DJ doesn't make a lot of money, but he doesn't play. <laughs> so, right, exactly. You know, I mean, Bud is sort of telegraphing, you know, who 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 should be traded by the fact that he's not playing him. Um, so if you make that trade, for instance, that's two million dollars that you save. You could ship a bunch of cash um, to the Pistons to kind of make it worth their while because. You know, ultimately, it's not just avoiding the tax this year, but the fact that the Bucks will definitely be in the tax mm-hmm. next year. Um, and, you know, the, the repeater tax makes it more and more costly over time to pay the tax. So, you know, there is there is some lot. I mean, look, I get it. Like, as fans, we shouldn't worry about ownership's pocketbook and, you know, whether how much money they're making. Um, but in practicality, you know, look, we know it, it impacts decision-making. We've seen it. Certainly the, the Brogdon decision was related to that um, and the f- awareness that they would be in the tax eventually. So it's very interesting. But, you know, thinking about like the buyout market, if you trade for Wayne Ellington, you shave $2 million off 
your cap number. Hey, you're under the tax. Woohoo. <laughs> well, are, are you going to sign a guy? Cause if you're going to sign a guy, um, then, you know, your quick math would say if you sign a guy on April 7th or before, you're going to go right back over the tax just barely. Right. And so then the question is, well, is there, you know, is there some other thing the bucks would do to, to try to get back onto that number? So, um, so look, I, I think it's very probable that the bucks do trade DJ Wilson in one form or fashion. Um, I think the interesting question though is, you know, if they trade and there's really, there's, I think two steps here, right? There's the buyout option guys. And then there uh, is the get under the tax option guys. And, you know, you have to think about those together. If again, John horses is trying to get his salary back under uh, the, the luxury tax. So, um, so I would say it is probable that the bucks make a trade. Um, again, just as a DJ Wilson salary dump to get under the tax. Um, I think it is also probable that they will have to factor in, um, you know, that buyout option in, in that. And again, trade deadline is March 25th. So a couple of weeks before, uh, you know, they would have been able to, to do a signing absent a move. Um, so it's not wildly um, far apart. And obviously, you know, frequently, you know, a lot of these guys that you talk about, which I think we'll probably talk about a few guys in a moment here, typically teams are, are generally trying to trade those guys up until the deadline. And then, you know, if there's no deal, then, then you see guys hit the buyout market and little unique here, like with Blake Griffin, um, you know, I think the Pistons realized it was so hopeless to, <laughs> to try to trade him that, you know, it was like, all right, let's just buy you out now and get this over with. So he, he was bought out early. Uh, I imagine a number of the other players that might get talked about as buyout candidates won't be bought out until, basically the the deadline when you know teams realize that that hey we just couldn't make a deal that that actually swung us something that we wanted so one player that came up today in the news uh lamarcus aldridge with the san antonio spurs uh this is an interesting case because he's not returning to the spurs and clearly this is the franchise sending out the message that yeah we're going to be trying to make a trade so as far as a buyout candidate he's one of the guys that you sort of are discussing there, Frank. I mean, we'll wait and see. The Spurs are going to try and trade him before the deadline. Uh, it is possible that he becomes a buyout guy, but we will wait and see. It's interesting, though, because when these, these types of names, and obviously Marcus Aldridge, I think he's a seven-time, maybe even eight-time All-Star. I mean, he's been a terrific player over the years, but the Spurs are heading in a different direction. He's old now. He's 35, I think nearly turning 36. So... He's not what he used to be. There's no doubt about that. But I did see some comments on Buck's Twitter where it's like, well, I don't really want this guy. He's old. He's an old center. We don't need him. We've already got Brooke Lopez who's too slow. And i got to tell you, as far as buyout guys go, I know you always want to set the bar super high. But LaMarcus Aldridge, in terms of what he can still do, let, let's be real. I mean, he, his minutes obviously dropped off a long way. He wasn't the focal point anymore of the Spurs in that Greg Popovich team that's clearly trying to restart a new generation out there. But as far as buyout guys go, I mean, LaMarcus Aldridge is, is going to be near the top of the tee in terms of uh, you know, talent level guys that you can pick up. I mean, I, I don't know. Feel free to, to shoot me down here. I think this is on the lower end of the, of the likelihood scale of being able to pick him up anyway, but I sure as hell wouldn't be saying no to LaMarcus Aldridge. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, that, that was someone asked us on Twitter uh, that question. And my response was, look, he's way more talented than the average dude you can get on uh, on a buyout so if for some reason you could actually convince him to come here and and you know likely be a backup um that would be a, a coup um you know 
again, we can debate, is he a great fit for, for what the Bucks want to do and things like that. Um, but just as from a pure talent standpoint, I mean, he's clearly still a good player. And even to be honest, part of it was just be like, well, if you get him. That means that, you know, one of the That's other right, East sure. teams that you're competing with can't get him. Um, and, you know, we can debate, right? Like, you know, does Boston need another center when they really need <laughs> wings? Like, okay, you know, fair enough. But, um, but he's a talented guy and, and, you know, would I want Marcus Aldridge on my team for free, you know, versus like whatever is behind door number one buyout guy. Like, uh, yeah, I'll just take more Marcus Aldridge. That's, that's fine. We'll worry about it. You know, we'll figure it out later. Um, uh, you know, obviously he makes you bigger, you know, again, is, is, is he going to give you the lineup flexibility that, that maybe we have in kind of our fantasies? Like maybe not, but um, you know, I think as we've seen, you know, in the first half of the season look like, you know, the Tory Craig's of the world are, are not this, the, the, you know, like just cause they positionally seem like they may fit and they let you do good, good things. You know, a lot of these dudes just aren't talented enough. Right. And I think that's been sort of the Tory Craig story so far. It's like, oh, he's just not that good at basketball. Um, whereas Marcus Aldridge still good at basketball, you know? And, and I think if you could get a guy like that, you just do it and worry about, you know, the fit later. Um, but uh, you know, he, he's not Pau Gasol 2.0. Let's, let's say that. Well, we hope not. And I was going to bring that up. Obviously, a, a rich history between the Bucks and Spurs of uh, facilitating the Bucks picking up uh, talented, uh, aging big men. So I guess we'll wait and see what would, uh, what would happen there. I might be being a little bit kind uh, to our friend, Pau Gasol. All right, let's talk about rockauto.com before we move on here. It is the family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com. To shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Uh, for me, the best part about rockauto.com is that it's all online and the catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. If you don't know cars, like I don't really know cars, you know, I, I just want to look it up. I want to find the parts I need easily. I'm not a professional, but it's easy to do on the website with that catalog. And the best part about it is this, the prices are the same for the professionals as they are for guys like myself. Uh, why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? You should just go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available, right? Locked on in the how did you hear about us box today? No, we sent you. That's locked on in the how did you hear about us box? Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And now it's time to talk about Built Bar Madness. You guys know what I'm talking about right here. It's March, so everything is a bracket and Built Bar is absolutely no exception. It's the best tasting protein bar on the market. We know that. The bars are amazing because they are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and 100% covered in chocolate. But now it's time to find out which Built Bar is the absolute best with Built Bar Madness. Now, today's matchup, Caramel Brownie versus Cherry Barcia. Now, I'm telling you, if you listen to this podcast regularly, you would have heard Justin Garcia, co-host, talk about Cherry Barcia all the time. He loves that one. That's one of his favorites. So Justin would be voting for Cherry Barcia, not me. I would be voting for Caramel Brownie in that. There's no doubt about that. And not only will I be, uh, I, I have. I've voted for Caramel Brownie. That's what I went with. In the other matchup, we have lemon, almond, cheesecake, and carrot cake with walnuts. Now, this is a little bit interesting for me because typically I would not go with the lemon bar or the carrot, but... If I have to choose one of the two, I'm definitely going with lemon almond crisp because uh, lemon almond cheesecake, I should say, because uh, the cheesecake sucks me in. Come on, anything that is uh, cheesecake, uh, I, I can get around that. So that that's my picks. But make sure you go to builtbar.com or to the Twitter at bar underscore built 
and you can vote and get involved in the fun. Remember, use the promo code LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order. That's LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar ever. Kate Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs. How much do you really know about these potential NBA stars of tomorrow? If you want to know more, you need to subscribe to the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Prospect scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. I guess where I, what direction we want to go in here, I guess I'll just throw it to you positionally, and I'm not sure if I've asked you this, I think I, I threw this question at Justin on one of the podcasts, but positionally, when you look at this team, is it a guard and perhaps a bigger guard that can play a little bit of defense that is on your mind if you're trying to pick up someone in an ideal situation? Is it another guy that you can play in small ball lineups that can be a little bit versatile, probably shoot the ball? Because to me, those that is going to be the question, or that is certainly the two... Um, probably obvious needs when I look at this team or what they would be trying to do rotation-wise in the postseason? Because you mentioned Tory Craig, but also you know, Thanasis has been playing minutes. I mean, you would love to be able to upgrade that position. And that's probably why when I look at a bunch of these names, that's who I'm comparing it to. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, why not? It's going to be an upgrade. It might not be the sexiest name, but you look at some of the guys you're playing and you're like, okay, it's not going to be hard to upgrade here. I think the two roles that, that are joined on me is, you know, the George Hill type guy, which again, you're not getting uh, a George, you know, I mean, you, first off, you can't get actual George Hill. You can't get him back. Um, and you're not going to get a facsimile of that, but is there someone who can give you that sort of combo guard size and, and at least some ability to play defense and, and hit a three, right? That, that would be some, I mean, I, I think that's, you know, again, I've, I've talked about it ad nauseum, but he's the guy or the archetype that I feel like they've, they've actually really missed or, or at least that, you know, on paper, when you think about how this team will translate to the playoffs, you know, swap him in for DJ Augustine. It just feels like that's, that would, that would really kind of make me feel more confident, you know, especially in that backcourt rotation and their ability to kind of play both ways. Um, so, you know, that type of player or um, yeah, like kind of like a hybrid uh, forward um it's funny. There's been some talk about Harrison Barnes and, and him being on the trade deadline. And, you know, I think we talked about it during the off season. There was, you know, this idea of like, well, you know, back before the Bogdanovich saga, you know, we talked about Bogdanovich as a potential target and um, you know, it, would there be some way to, to take on Harrison Barnes salary to, to, you know, to swallow that salary somehow as, as, you know, rather than give up more value because he's paid so much money that like, you know, he had negative trade value. And, you know, we talked about how I liked his fit really because he is a guy that can play the four, you know, you could play him in Giannis lineups without a center. He can play some three and, and again, com- very competent two-way player. Um, and, and obviously has, you know, has a lot of playoff experience, even if he hasn't been there in a while. Um, and ironic now, I mean, he's been really good this year, certainly better than I thought he'd be, and, you know, Sacramento's obviously not really, not really going anywhere. So. Um, so yeah, is, is there somebody kind of in that mold? Um, you know, Rudy Gay is a guy that that I think has been talked about as like a potential you know trade market guy. Um, he's he's been I don't I don't think he's as good as as Barnes. He's also a lot older. You know, 
defensively, I like Barnes more, but, um, but, you know, someone in that mold who can score a bit and, and, you know, is big enough that you're not going to feel like, um, you know, you're getting run over defensively if he's out there playing or playing the four, for instance. So, um, so somebody kind of in, in that mold, those are kind of maybe the two sort of positional, um, you know, kind of positional, um, uh, kind of archetypes that I, that I would look at. What, what do you think? Do you, would you have a clear preference in one of those two or I'm kind of like, you know, whichever, whatever the like best player is that, that fits into one of those buckets, yeah. you know, just I'll take it. Right. Um, and, and by the way, I, I mean, Marvin Williams is a little bit different. I mean, he's not as good offensively certainly as, as Harrison Barnes is now, or even Rudy Gay is now, I think, but, um, but just to give him the defensive flexibility and ability to step out and hit a three, you know, Marvin is a guy that, you know, one of the reasons I liked him last year, um, because of, of the way that he can kind of fit in, you know, another guy like that. And again, I don't know if Marvin's even thinking about a comeback. Um, and we have no idea what he looks like given he's been off for, for a year. Uh, but he's a guy, and I think I think Trevor Reza was a guy that that Eric mentioned in his article. You know, Reza hasn't played in what a year, basically. Um, so who knows where he's at with with his body and his game? Um, but guys like that, you know, kind of like those combo combo wings, guys who can guard up a position to play the four and and hit threes. Like the, I think those are always certainly interesting types of players, and you know, Bucks could could I think use a guy like that because, as you said, I mean, so long as we're you know seeing them try to play Thanasis at the four, you know, we've seen Tory Craig have like vague shots at playing those minutes. Um, you know, they, they clearly have, you know, do not have a fully settled um, forward rotation at this point beyond obviously Giannis and Chris. Yeah. I think maybe for me, it comes down to who I think is more attainable. And I do think that going for the, the, the wing or the, the taller four, but the small ball type of guy that you can switch on defense with seems more likely or seems more attainable to get that type of player. I, I would, I, I mean, again, like you mentioned George Hill. I mean, if you could get a guy that was a bigger point guard that could defend and just shoot the three and just cover some of those minutes that we certainly have some concerns about with uh, DJ Augustine and, you know, even Bryn Forbes, if you go with that super small backcourt in the postseason that we're still really unsure about then fine that would be great but I, I, don't, I don't i don't think that that's that likely so someone like trevor ariza is the type of guy that if you had have gone two years prior you'd be feeling really good about it. you're like okay that's throw trevor ariza at the four you know he's going to be able to defend he can shoot the three Giannis can play at the five potentially that's the closing lineup because again at this point the bucks are really been going with or leading into the uh the all-star break they were really rolling with Chris Milton at the four and then Pat Connaughton was really the fifth guy that has been in that closing lineup. He's been great. I mean, we've spoke about that. I have, I really don't have much bad to say about Pat Connaughton this year. This has been the best season of his career by far. I would have to believe. Um, but I do wonder whether you could have another guy for perhaps those nights where Pat isn't shooting the ball that well. And we know he can be a streaky shooter and we'll see whether that continues to translate through the end of the season. So I'm probably looking at a guy um, like Ariza, as far as trades go, because the buyout market is still kind of ironing itself out. We don't exactly know a lot of the names that are going to be out there. Another name that I, I don't know how much we want to discuss because it's kind of out of left field is Otto Porter Jr. Again, Eric mentioned him, but there's been a lot of talk about him online, not just with the Bucks, but just a bunch of teams that are interested in Otto Porter Jr. kind of is outside the mold of these other players that we're discussing because he's only 27. But He's, he's got back issues right now. He hasn't played for a while. He's paid a, a hell of a lot of money. Uh, I, I don't 
really think that he's going to be bought out anyway, but it's just a name that's out there. As far as trades go, we know that PJ Tucker is a guy that's been mentioned a lot. Uh, Victor Oladipo is a guy that's gaining a little bit of momentum as a player that's clearly unhappy in Houston, but he's a free agent upcoming, so it's probably a rental there. We think that he's going to want a bigger role in maybe Miami, who knows, maybe the Knicks for Oladipo at the end of the season, but would you trade for him now? I guess the question when you ask that is, how high are you on DiVincenzo? Would you be willing to give up on him for a rental to try and win the title this year? Do you think you can get close enough to feel comfortable trading a DiVincenzo? Do you think that his trade value is at the peak that it will be now? For me, I don't really feel that way. I know we talk a lot about, I guess, his consistency finishing at the basket and some of the stuff that you would like to see more improvement in on a nightly basis. But overall... I'm not really at the point where I'm willing to to trade DiVincenzo unless it is someone that is going to be here for more than a few games in a year where I'm not sure whether a trade like that gets you a title anyway or or certainly locks in that you can win a title. Yeah, I I, I would be really surprised if Dante got traded. Um, I, mean, I mean, again, not not to say that he shouldn't be available and, and somebody that the Bucks explore options around this summer uh, when he's ex- extension eligible, just because there are still questions about certainly, you know, his long term, like how, how good can he really be? Right. Hmm. Um, and, and right now he's, you know, a role playing starter. I think that's probably about as good as, he's, as good as he's going to be now. Can he be better at finishing? Uh, yes. Hopefully knock on wood. Right. Um, but you know, his three point shooting this year, Certainly, he's he's above yeah. our over under, um, which I think I took the I think we both took the over. What was it like thirty four percent or something like that? We, we had as the over under something something like that. Um, he's obviously been much much better there. He's streaky for sure, but you know if he's going to be in the high thirties, uh, you'll you'll happily take that year in and year out from him. Um, so I I don't really see Dante being moved. And in general, like I mean, like I got like all the people. Like I mean, there's really I don't really think there's any real way to even make contracts work. I mean. And again, I, I'm sure there's, there, yeah, there's like the Brooke Lopez trade, Brooke Lopez crowd, but I mean, Brooke only makes 12, 13 million bucks mm-hmm. a year as well. So, I mean, you know, again, just given how much money the bucks have to send out, like you can't get a guy who's, who's making all the depot money unless you're pulling a bunch of dudes together and then, you know, okay, you're going to have 11 or 12 guys on your roster in the playoffs. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't even know if the I'll be honest. I'm not even sure if you could you could even like, could go to the playoffs in the league. I'm not sure what the league would say <laughs> about even carrying that few guys on on your roster. But um, but anyway, um, so so yeah, it's just it's just kind of hard to to you know any anybody that's making like you know PJ Tucker kind of same thing. I just I just you know show me the trade that the Houston Rockets are interested in <laughs> involving PJ mm-hmm. Tucker that the Bucks would do. I, it's just hard, right? Because you can't just trade uh, uh, um, DJ Wilson. You have to add more money. So, do they want Pat Connaughton? Like, uh, I don't. Does that does, is that appealing to them? I have no idea. Right? Pat's had a good year for the Bucks, but you know, is that what they want out of that? I, I don't know. Um, so, and, and by the way, you can add Tucker to sort of that you know Ariza type type group of guys. Yeah. Um, you know, I think PJ has been you know. He's actually playing basketball. He's a bit more top of mind, certainly than than uh, than Ariza has been. But uh, but yeah, in, in that kind of similar kind of grouping of guys um, who you know give you that sort of really sturdy, versatile defense and um, and can at least hit enough threes to to kind of keep defenses on us. So um, so again, also kind of fits into that into that mold. So um, 
So yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see what the Bucks do. I mean, John Horse has always been active, you know, around trade deadlines with buyouts. Um, you know, I think I would be surprised if they don't do anything. Um, but uh, I also would say temper your expectations. It's probably going to be just something very much on the margins. And again, maybe more of a tax avoidance move than anything else, which, you know, again, that's that's kind of the reality of, uh, of you know, basketball and in this day and age, right? If you're especially staring down the gun, the, the barrel of a, of multiple years being over the luxury tax coming up. Um, if you can, you know, give up guys who don't play to get back under the tax. I mean, teams are going to do that, right? And that's probably the smart business move. So, uh, so we'll see. Can they do that and also add another useful, you know, guy in the buyout market? That would obviously be interesting. And if if they could swap Wilson for somebody that that might actually even, you know dare I say, have a chance to play, that would probably be the, an even more interesting thing. Yeah, as far as other names go, and, and there's going to be more that will crop up over the week, so I'm sure we'll probably discuss it again. Feel free to let us know if any deals or names do stand out, but I'm glad that you mentioned the, the trade machine thing because that is a weird wrinkle. I had a couple of trades sent out to me, and I was like, I don't think the money works, and, uh, and you know, it's confusing, legitimately confusing. People are like, yeah, it does, look. And I'm like, okay, well, that. I know it says the trade works, but the money doesn't actually work. So that's one thing to keep an eye out as you're uh, trolling the uh, trade machines there. And Doug McDermott was another name that uh, Zach Lowe actually brought up on a podcast recently in the last couple of days. He's in a similar situation financially as PJ Tucker around that $7 million range. So again, you're talking about packaging multiple players to try and make that work. So you just get a sense from as we've gone through this, how difficult it is to make a trade. And you mentioned it, Frank. I mean, there is the trade Brook crowd. Everyone, I've talked about it enough. People know I'm not necessarily on that boat. So uh, for me, it's hard to see a major trade. But as you said, DJ Wilson, from the direction we're heading, the fact that he hasn't really got a chance at all, uh, would be probably also surprised if he's still around uh, beyond the trade deadline. But we'll see. We'll see. These these things will continue to... Uh, to uh, present themselves to us as players, I guess, become more publicly unhappy with their current situations. We'll see. Before we wrap it up, Frank, we have to mention Ersan. Uh, he was a guy that I think we we all had firmly on our potential buyout radar to the point where I think a lot of people probably just assumed that he was really just shooting around in the snow, filming those ridiculous videos, uh, despite the fact that he already had some sort of deal set with the Bucks and they were going to sign him. He's going to the Jazz. And at least I will say this, I'm glad he didn't go to the Nets or a team. The Nets or the Lakers, I would have been really upset if he went to one of those two teams. Utah, I can handle that. I'm happy he's back in the league. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be good to see him back out there playing, albeit, you know, it's even no matter how you feel about Ersan, sad to see him in a different jersey. <laughs> I mean, we're used to him doing I mean, you know, he, it, it had been a while since he played for some team other than the Bucs. Um, so uh, it, I guess it was about time. And, and what better play? I mean, Utah just feels like a good place for him to be, right? Like, just like big white guys who like can hit threes and do like annoying stuff, like take charges. Like, that feels like a very like Utah jazz type type skill set. Um, so, so yeah, gone are his days uh, practicing in his driveway in Mequon. Uh, he's, he's off to, uh, to Utah. So fare thee well, Ersan. Um, and you know, we'll look forward to him re-signing with the Bucks for the 53rd time uh, next offseason, maybe when, when they have a little more, <laughs> a little more flexibility. 
It's going to be good to see the number 777 on the court next year with the Bucks. So we look forward to uh, Ersan <laughs> signing there. That will be uh, an enjoyable moment. And uh, the good thing is uh, we've already played the Jazz twice, so we don't have to see him until yeah. game one of the NBA Finals. So that's fantastic he won't, as well. You, we don't have to watch him trying to take charges on Giannis. So that's good. Yeah, he's not going to hurt Giannis. That's the main thing here. Uh, Frank, I think we've I think we've covered it all. There's no other names you, you really desperately want to throw out there. I, I, I get the sense not. No, I'm too old and uncreative at this point um, mm-hmm. to to really kind of pound the the trade machine. Um, yeah, I mean, I was just like looking at like like guards, you know, like who who's yeah. like a buyout market guard type guy, right? Patty, it's obviously. Like, well, Pat Pat Mills would be. I mean, uh, more than I mean for you, just being the Patty Mills, you know, <laughs> I'd, fl- uh, I'd fly back fanboy. <laughs> yeah, you're you're flying back. Um, you're going to be part of Patty Mills's entourage in Milwaukee if that happens. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously, Pat Patty Mills would be a dream. But um, but I mean, it's just kind of some pickings, right? I mean, I, I there was talk the other day. You know, Austin Rivers is is not playing in New York, right? Mm-hmm. It's and I was just like, I was like, is Austin Rivers doing anything for you? I mean, I've I've seen a fair bit of Austin Rivers. I feel like occasionally his defense can be like, oh, well, Austin Rivers can actually like you know get get after a little defensively. Dude cannot like make a layup to save his life. Like he he's in like the Dante like flailing around the basket type type category. He he'll have moments shooting from three for sure. He can handle a little bit. Again, you know, given where this team is, like you know, he's not that small. I don't know. Like buyout of Austin Rivers as as your minimum guy. Like I guess I would be okay with that. You know, <laughs> if presented with the option versus again, what's behind door number two. Okay, but but I think that's sort of a lot of a lot of these options that we're going to talk about is like is it is it really that inspiring? No, but for the most part, that's why dudes are available on the buyout market because <laughs> let's be honest, if they were that good, they probably wouldn't have gotten bought out. They probably would have been either capped or, or traded. Well put. I think that's the perfect way uh, to end this here. It is most likely going to be a little bit uninspiring, but much like last season when we picked up Marvin Williams, if you get a guy where you can at least look at him and tilt your head a little bit and say, yeah, I could see him playing in the playoffs, then I think you're going to be happy, and that's what the Bucks are really going to be looking for uh, here as the weeks go on. Like I said, let us know. Uh, if any of those players stand out to you. And it's a perfect segue from Frank, actually, Austin Rivers, because the Bucks do play the Knicks on Thursday night. So probably today, as you're listening to this podcast, uh, a 7 p.m. tip at Fiserv Forum. The Bucks need to get revenge on the Knicks. Derek Rose won't be playing, and neither will Austin Rivers, actually. Well, we're talking about him. Both those guys are out for New York. But Bud did let us know that everyone practice fully for the Bucks today outside of Jordan Wara, who's still uh, battling with a little bit of an ankle. So we should see uh, the usual, perhaps the usual starting lineup. Uh, he did hint that there might still be a minutes restriction on Drew Holiday as he continues to uh, wind up from his absence uh, with, with COVID. So we'll see what happens there, but we'll be back after the game to wrap it all up and wrap up the week. The second half of the season starts tomorrow with the Knicks. We'll catch you guys then. <laughs>